start training the the local raccoons to just like scratch at their back door every night. <laughs> like leave hamburgers out for them so they get used to it. Hello everyone and welcome to the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Uh. A very spooky Halloween episode. I am your host, Blue, and I am joined by Red, the color of blood. You, you warned me you were going to do the voice, and I still wasn't prepared. <laughs> First mistake. Oh, we plan God. our Halloween episodes out half a year in advance, Red. You gotta come ready. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. Anyway, hey, everybody. Uh, we've got a Halloween episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast today. Um, Red, how, how are you doing? How, how, uh, how, how are things? Pretty good. It's uh, it's been a weird couple weeks. Um, I've actually taken the last week almost easy, which is very, very strange for me. So I'm feeling a little bit adrift and purposeless. But don't worry, everyone. Uh, I, I'm diving into a very special Christmas episode soon. Uh, as in, I have to start it soon, so it'll actually be done by Christmas. But don't worry. I, I think you'll be pleased. Yes, it is the one that you're always asking about. No, just don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> now the pressure's on. Anyway, I've been doing good. How about you, man? Let me put it this way. Um, my sleep has been a little on the crap side recently. <laughs> and I, I owe that uh, in large part to... Um, actually, speaking of the, the spooky episode we have today, um, there are legends of a monster that roams around uh, at night uh, when, when, when good boys and girls are asleep. And what, what this monster does is that uh, she's extremely hungry. So if she is not fed, she will jump onto high surfaces and knock your Lego architecture sets onto the fucking floor to try and wake you up because she knows that when the Legos start moving and when the Legos start falling, Blue gets out of bed and gives this dumbass cat her food. <laughs> the monster's name is Cleo. She's been making my life hell. <laughs> no, she's, she's identified. She's identified but, what you loves most in this world. Exactly. She's like, you can, you can make her like a master negotiator because she knows the pressure points. It's like, oh, oh, this guy likes his Legos. I know how to make him get me what I I want and I just like I wake up and I hear like she jumps on to the little shelf and then there's like silence and like 10 seconds and I hear just like and she's like moving stuff around and then eventually the Paris set just falls onto the couch and I'm like Cleo you knocked over the Eiffel Towers not even the Nazis did that come on <laughs> so yeah uh, my sleep schedule has been less than ideal and as much as I adore uh, my little darling Cleo um, uh, I, I like her more, uh, not in morning times. <laughs> so it's a lovely Lego set you uh, got here. Be by a, lunch, I'm like, oh, Cleo, you wonderful, amazing cat, whom I love more than anything in the whole wide world. Let me give you all the treats. And at 7 a.m., I'm like, okay, kid, listen <laughs> up. <laughs> That's where I'm at this week. <laughs> Uh, other announcements. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a very special, uh, a very special guest uh, on the show next week. We've got Two friend of the now. channel and friend in real life. Uh, Hello, future me, aka our boy Tim. Uh, he's been nice enough to offer to come join us on the podcast. Uh, so that will be uh, next week, two weeks from now. Stay tuned. We are now. extremely yep. excited because Tim is the best and we love him. And actually, on uh, speaking of his channel, um, if you're not already subscribed to Hello Future Me, which if you are not, what are you doing? He put out a video on Friday uh, called The Fire Nation Before the War, which is, it's really, really a clever idea. It is an in-universe college lecture in the Avatar world 
talking about the history of the Fire Nation before, you know, the the Hundred Year War and the events of, of, of Avatar The Last Airbender. And there are two uh, snarky students who keep uh, asking questions and delivering sass in the middle of the lecture who may or may not be us. Uh, so that was an absolute blast. And we were very uh, pleased and honored to participate in, in Tim's video by uh, offering our voices uh, to help with this um, in-universe Avatar history lecture. So that was a great time. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very creative video format. I think it's a, it's a really cool setup. Yeah, and a lot of the comments were agreeing that I was like, this is really, really neat. Because, you know, oftentimes we, we, we treat videos as like, here is me, I'm the presenter, here's the topic. But uh, it's rare to see someone kind of take the extra step and, and put themselves kind of into the world that they're discussing. And it was a really clever way to do it, you know, like long after the events of, of The Last Airbender, probably even a long time after the events of, of, of Legend of Korra. Because um, mm. there, there's a laptop in the classroom. <laughs> That's going to take a while. Um, yeah, but... Korra's kind of like pseudo 20s right yeah they've like got like steampunk go. and, and and stuff like that and like yeah. basic electricity um but anyway really 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 uh, really great video um check it out if you haven't already um and uh we will have tim on the show next week which we are very excited about two weeks from now next episode <laughs> Ooh, yeah oh boy what was that about me not having enough sleep recently oh yeah man. <laughs> yeah between you not getting enough sleep and me getting to sleep three hours later than normal last uh, night or yeah, two nights it, ago but, Usually yeah. in our videos, like the content is so polished, like, you know, it's great. You know, we're presenting. It's nice. It's easy. You see a little bit of the chaos. No, you see a lot of the chaos come out yeah. in the live streams. And this is the other outlet for just the nonsense of like, oh, they can't do multiple takes of this. This is just how they are. Cool. Which is funny because theoretically we could do multiple takes of this because it's being recorded and edited. And yet somehow, work. yeah, it takes work and it's much funnier if we just beef it live on, on exactly <laughs> yeah, this is the real deal so um yeah. since this is a halloween episode um mm -hmm. we want to encourage you all to um in addition to looking out for red's halloween special coming out on friday uh get yeah. hyped um please be safe this halloween because fucking yikes uh i don't think i need to explain that any more than i just did but um <laughs> if you do have any plans you know please be responsible wear a mask wherever applicable which is yep. everywhere um, mm -hmm. And in the absence of, of getting that trick-or-treat candy, maybe consider baking something because baking is really fun and really rewarding and way more tasty than what you can get, you know, on a grocery store shelf, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that um, while obviously it is extremely disappointing that this year the two main outlets for Halloween stuff, which are Halloween parties and trick-or-treating, aren't really safe. Uh, I, I've been trying to, like, brainstorm other possible things people can do that are just as fun. Uh, first of all, I do recommend the baking thing, and also on that end, make your own cider. Like, mm. not not like the alcoholic stuff. That requires brewing. It's, I, I don't really know how that works. But, <laughs> I mean, process. like, mold cider, uh, where you basically, you start with apple juice and just a whole bunch of spices, and then you just kind of brew them together, uh, and the apple juice ends up, like, boiling down, but also absorbing all this good spice. And uh, it, it's really rich, uh, but I highly recommend it. It's super, super seasonal. And yeah. I think if you combo that with like watching a movie of some kind or several movies, I, I've been uh, catching up on classic horror that I've just never seen before. Uh, I, I watched The Thing this week and that was really good, guys. Like it's, it's from the 80s and it's really good. So I, I feel like I'm super late to the party here. It's like, guys, have you heard of this crazy movie? It's 38 years old. You're never going to believe it. Total um, ripoff of Among Us. I thought that was really lazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they even sabotaged the lights. I mean, God. <laughs> ugh. Anyway, but yeah, no, uh, I, I, my recommendation, because this is what I'm probably going to be doing on Halloween, is uh, homemade mold cider, classic horror movie, Twitter. 
Yeah. It's the, the perfect triple whammy of, of horrifying things. <laughs> what is scarier than browsing Twitter? <laughs> Ugh, especially this time of year. Uh, yeah. But well, yeah, I will yeah. say, on the subject of, of making cider, uh, Cyan loves cider. She is a fiend for cider. And we made yeah. some uh, three weeks ago? Yeah, three weeks ago. When you're just like watching it boil down, like adding spices and stuff, you feel like a wizard. You just feel yeah. like you're working <laughs> over a cauldron making like something magical. And of course, cider is magical. It's delicious. But like yeah. something with power. <laughs> it's very fun to make all cider. spice for this witch's brew. Yeah. <laughs> Highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, with, with the announcements out of the way, um, we've had two uh, fun videos uh, coming out recently. Um, the first one was my, um, blah, 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 what's it called? The, uh, the History Hijinks on the uh, Greek Wise Guys, which was a name that took me a long time to settle on. And I've actually, I ended up being very pleased with it because sometimes I end up whiffing the names on things. Um, <laughs> but that one was really great. And then we had a, uh, a trope talk on uh, superpowered evil sides. Um, so, Red, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's do the hijinks. Okay, let's do the hijinks. So, a couple weeks ago, no, a couple months ago, I did the Thucydides video, and I was like, I needed a win, I needed something easy, I just did the Cold War, let me have this. Um, <laughs> so I went back to Greece, which is like, it's my bread and butter, that's what I studied for four years in university, like, I know that stuff, so I thought, what else can I do, you know, more in Greece? Because I, I asked, like, do you want more Greece content? And the comments were like, yes, give me more Greece content, so... <laughs> Your wish is uh, my work schedule. Um, and I thought it would be really cool to do a video about the different philosophers because there is, you know, a lot to unpack in Greek philosophy. It's this big, like, monumental topic that people dedicate entire careers to. And I thought, well, I mean, yeah, but also it's pretty dumb sometimes. So <laughs> I thought um, rather than going the the original kind of format for, for the history hijinks, which was kind of like three or four discrete stories that are, you know, maybe unified in a topic but otherwise unrelated um, like with you know failed assassinations which are, are three different attempts to you know kill someone and overthrow a government but they're you know completely separated by time and space um, there was the other hijinks on plague which was just pff, a mess yeah. but this one was like you know kind of a bunch of small stories but not quite as, as segmented out it was like one nice flowing narrative um, and I was really happy with uh, with how it turned out because I got to just riff on all my favorites everyone obviously wanted Diogenes so I, I got to talk <laughs> oh about him um, but then I got to, to go to some some lesser known faves like uh, Democritus, who figured out atomic theory, um, and then Gorgias, the rage-inducing nihilist, um, <laughs> and just complete contrarian. Yeah. Uh, and then making fun of, of Plato and, and Aristotle and you know, there's a little bit of Socrates. So I had a really fun time uh, trying to make the, the philosophy make sense and, and put some some human faces to these, you know, very old, ancient feeling, inaccessible, you know, locked behind 500 pages of impossible to read ancient Greek kind of things. So it was fun. And I, I got to put in one of my favorite visual gags in any video that I've ever made, which is um, when I do uh, when I do the little book covers uh, for various for various various books that that pop up mm -hmm. in in videos um i sometimes do like little like icons on the front that like try to like represent what the book is so if it's you know like machiavelli's the prince it's like a crown or, or something like that but yeah. for plato's republic what i did was i i took the logo for the galactic republic in star wars and put like a little <laughs> greek meander pattern around the thing it is without a doubt the smartest joke that I have ever made on this channel and like four people appreciated it. So I will consider it a win. I actually, I have a funny anecdote about that because I was not among those four people because when you sent that to me, you were like, this is the smartest joke I've ever done. And I was like, what is it? And you were like, well, it's the Galactic Republic. And I was like, oh, see, my first thought was butthole. And you were like, okay, 
no, I see it. <laughs> so that's it's where like I'm the, at. <laughs> it's like the gag in community, uh, e pluribus anus. <laughs> it's just a butt, yeah. Yep. So maybe it's the smartest joke I've ever made. Maybe it's just a butt joke. <laughs> I had the inverse problem of when I was editing that video, I kept looking at that and being like, wait, did Star Wars rip off Greek philosophers? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yes, inverse plagiarism, my favorite. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say about it, but that it was, it was a video that was was fun to make because I kind of like already knew a lot of these things. I just had to like, you know, dig back in and like make sure that I had all my details straight. But it was really yeah. fun to, to put together and be like, all right, I want to talk about Democritus right now. And oh, I, I can loop that into Aristotle and then I can just kind of like create a, a narrative that's not really like temporally linear like I, you know, I usually do with history where one event usually follows another. Um, I could kind of like bop around and go backwards in time sometimes. Eh, I don't know. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I always have fun with these hijinks videos and I, I think yeah. that might be, you know, why they, they often do among my, my better videos is because I'm not trying super hard to create like a, a full like proper history lesson. I'm just kind of shooting the breeze about fun, dumb stuff in history and I, I feel like there is definitely merit to that. So um, yeah. for those of you who watched and liked it, I'm, I'm glad you did. No, I think that uh, it's definitely true that if you're talking about something that you are personally just enthusiastic about, it, it you know, it shows through. People can just kind of pick up on that um, and the way you talk about it is different. I will say that uh, my experience with philosophy in general is um, I had a mandatory class in college about it, mm. uh, basically, because um, my, my university was like, we need, okay, listen, we know you're a math major, but uh, we think it's very important that you read the complete works of Hegel, because Oof. everybody loves Hegel, and I was oh. like, okay, I literally remember nothing from that class. Mm -hmm. I, I was in it for three months, at least and I read so many books, and I don't remember anything about them. It's just, it, yeah. it's like my brain is waterproof, and the philosophers are just like, Ugh. anyway, yeah, it, it was a yeah, lot. It, this is maybe a larger discussion of the pitfalls of college philosophy, um, <laughs> but in a lot of instances, you get, like, 101 classes for someone who's not a philosophy major. They just get thrown into this, this like, big ocean of, here's what a bunch of German guys in the 1617 and 1800s thought have fun. It's like, what? No. What's like, going on? And then, you know, it's it's impossible to keep track of uh, because yeah. there's so many different characters. They all blend together and it's just a mess because it's, it's usually not unified by by topic in any meaningful way. So it ends up being boring and frustrating. And I, I don't think if, if I, you know, me who practically half majored in philosophy, if I had to take a philosophy 101 course, I would probably hate it because they're so mm -hmm. often structured poorly and they make you cover a lot of the dumb philosophers. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the inverse. Descartes, including Descartes, was a mistake. It's the <laughs> inverse of me. the the class system that <laughs> my, my parents described books. as physics for poets, which is the mm. mandatory uh, math and physics classes that you have to take, even if your major is like yeah you know, underwater basket weaving or whatever. Yeah, so it, it, philosophy for physicists. What frustrates me about, like, especially the more modern stuff in philosophy is that none of them actually know how to write. Literally none of them. No. Um, with possibly an exception for Nietzsche, who actually studied classics, even though he said he didn't really like it. But yeah. so much of it is just like walls of text where you can't follow anything that's going on. There's no there's no narrative. There's no, you know, pacing and nuance. It's just like, let me explain something at you for 80 pages. And that's not how you learn anything. Plato's yeah. works are so good because they're dialogues with characters that you can actually follow. Yep. Ah, yeah. he did this so long ago. Why did everybody else mess it up? I 
think the thing is like thinking stuff through is one skill set. Like like introspecting, that is an actual skill set that needs mm-hmm. developing. And then explaining things is a completely different skill set. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's the classic experience of like you you've understood something, you've had a revelation. All the pieces fit together perfectly in your mind, and you try and explain it, and you can't because people just look at you like you're, you're dumb because it all makes sense in your mind, but you don't know what parts of that are mandatory to put in the other person's mm-hmm. mind so they can make the same connections you did. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a different skill set, and I yeah. totally get that it's a different skill set. But, man, you'd think that, like, college professors would recognize that a lot of these books are just objectively bad <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. they don't make sense, and it's no. just, like, yeah. 30 chapters about natural philosophy where the person's like, have you ever considered trees? And it's like, yeah, I have. I go outside. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> so, it's a lot. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty accurate. I, <laughs> I could go on for much longer, but I won't um, because that means we have to spend more time talking about modern philosophy and I will spare you. So I'll, I'll save that for, uh, for, for German wise guys coming 2021, presumably. I have to do Roman wise guys first. Roman philosophers are also fun. Yeah. Um, but on to uh, uh, much more pleasant topics. Evil. <laughs> Red, tell us about superpowered evil sides. Yeah, uh, speaking of sticking to your comfort zone and talking about things you're excited about, uh, for this one, I tapped into my, uh, as previously mentioned, dark brooding past of being into anime when I was 14. How novel, right? So the reason I started this was actually because I had like a whole queue of other trope talk scripts that I was working on and I was like, you know, slating them. I was figuring out when I wanted to do them and I was like, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really feeling a lot of these. They're just, I mean, I can get through it, but it'll be like a slog and I just don't know. And then I I think I pulled Twitter. I was like, anyone got any other ideas for trope talk scripts maybe? And somebody was like, well, there's this thing I've noticed in anime. And I was like, yes. (laughs) Um, And I, okay, so here's how you know that this was something I was excited about. Normally when I'm doing trope talks, the first thing I do is I write like seven or eight pages of just notes of just like freeform thoughts about this thing. And then I kind of let that sit for a bit and then I revisit it and I I take those notes and I turn them into an actual script. I didn't have a notes phase for this. I started (laughs) writing at the top of the page and I finished six pages later and that was that. So... That's how you know I had a lot to say about this topic because yeah, Red, I I remember you were like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through and, and do some work for superpowered evil sides. And I was like, okay, and then I went to sleep, and the next morning, Red, you were like, so anyway, here's my script. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like it, it was like one night of work. I mean. I went over it to make sure it was actually good and stuff, but yeah. So that was fun. That that was a that was a good sign because, like we were mm-hmm. just talking about, uh, when you're excited about it, it it shows through. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you know, people were like, I, I was reading through the comments and like the discussion on the Discord, and people were like, yeah, I really like this trope and this discussion. And you know, about half the comments were, why didn't she mention Naruto? And the reason I didn't mention Naruto is because I didn't watch Naruto because I don't think it's very good, and you invite me about this. But that doesn't say anything about the quality of its superpowered evil side, which I have heard is pretty good and it it does this interesting thing where like the superpowered evil side has like an incremental like power level based on the number of tails of the nine-tailed fox he can access. Oh, and that yeah, gives it, that's right. Yeah. That is a super-powered evil set. I was like, is she going to talk about the shutting gun? I, 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 I <laughs> no. watched Naruto as a kid. It was oh. not good. Um, <laughs> I, I can fill in that information for you. Uh, but I, It's been so long, I'm like, what is the super-powered evil side? Oh, the fox demon that's trapped yeah. inside him. The right, main right, thing. right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. inciting incident of the plot, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it had like different number of tails he could access and the form changed. I've seen like a little bit of stuff about it and I was like, that's a cool concept. You know, it, it doesn't excuse the, the other dumb stuff, but hey, whatever. And uh, <laughs> I, I feel a little bad because when I was, you know, 
prepping the examples for this video, I uh, had to revisit Bleach. And when I mentioned this <laughs> to Blue, I recall that what you said was, all I know about Bleach is that I've heard when watching it, it's best to have a glass of the same substance on hand. <laughs> and I was like, whoa! <laughs> brutal! But, like, here's the thing. I, I actually did watch Bleach a oh, lot. Oh, I, th- I when thought I was that sentence was going somewhere else. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Sorry. No, I didn't. I didn't. I did not keep a glass of Bleach on hand while watching Bleach. That's too dangerous. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, no, um, when I was uh, younger, like, you know, second or third year in high school, when I was already a few years deep in my burgeoning anime obsession, uh, I'd like watched through a bunch of the classics and I was then starting to like watch the ones that were being just recommended at the time. You know, I watched Soul Leader, I watched Code Geass. And then it was like, well, everyone and their grandmother is saying that it's like Bleach, Naruto, and One Piece are like the three big anime that are that are like at war with each other. This was like a thing. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but this was a thing when I was in like late middle school, early high school, uh, is that these three anime were rivals. And, and the question was, whichever one was going to run the longest was going to win. <laughs> and then One Piece won and everyone kind of forgot that that was ever a thing. But yeah, it was like between Bleach, Naruto, and One Piece for a while. And I was like, well, I tried Naruto and I got like 10 episodes in and I decided it was stupid. And I tried One Piece and I got one episode in and decided I didn't like the art style. But you know what? Bleach is an edgy anime sword boy anime and my first anime was Inuyasha. So this is probably going to be right up my alley. <laughs> Here is when I stopped watching Bleach. I was in the middle of one of the arcs. I think it had vampires in it. So hey, it's spooky. It's, it's appropriate for the season. Um, but it was like anime vampires, so they had different rules. And I caught myself mentally calculating how many more episodes I was going to have to watch before this bullshit filler arc got resolved. <laughs> I was like, doing, I, I was like, okay, okay. This guy has like seven or eight quirky mini bosses. Every quirky mini boss needs at least one episode where they beat one of the massive extended cast of characters so we know they're a big deal. And then they need at least one episode where the main character or one of the other secondary characters beats that guy. So that's two episodes per mini-boss. There's seven or eight mini-bosses. That's, like, at most 16 episodes. But there's also going to be other filler episodes. And then I realized I was doing mental math, figuring out how much anime I had to watch. (laughs) And then I closed the tab and stopped watching the show. And I can't say I regret that decision. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I did. Um, I feel bad because, you know, there's, like... In my experience, there's two categories of Bleach fans. There's the people who were like, yeah, it's dumb. I mean, I I like how they did this, and I I liked how they did this, and I thought it had potential, but it's dumb. And then there's the people who are like, how dare you speak out against the greatest creation mankind has ever produced? And uh, found a few of those on Twitter when I started tweeting about my experience revisiting the show. Mm. Um, I feel like that's just like... A good thing to do in general, no matter what it is. Like, if you have a thing that you really like, you gotta accept the parts of it that are dumb as hell. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything has parts of it that are dumb as hell. Yeah. Like, last episode, classical philosophy, the thing I studied in college, partially. Dumb as hell. Dumb as hell. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I, there's there's parts of Bleach that I really liked. When it started out, it was like, Monster the of the Week, episodic urban <laughs> fantasy. Sorry, That's stop. exactly my shit. Sorry, what's going on? No, I, 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 you said there are parts of Bleach that I really liked, and I joked, the taste. Uh, and oh, I said, come I'll on. Stop. <laughs> At least get a second joke. <laughs> no, that's, that's my one-note joke on Bleach. You're killing me here. Uh, but, you know, when I started watching it, I was like, I really like this. And then after a while, I was like, I'd like this better if they stopped doing these things. And then I was like, oh, these things are what's going to be the selling point of the show from now on? Okay, that's that's fine. And, you know, it's I still have fond memories of it, and... 
I, you know, I don't talk this much about stuff that I genuinely don't see any merit in, you know, like when I do a bad movie night, if I'm talking about a movie and I'm really invested in it, it's because I wish it were better. You know, there are movies that make me feel nothing and there are shows that make me feel nothing and those are the worst. But anything that I get this invested in is a show that made me feel something. And sometimes that's disappointment, but mostly it's a mix of disappointment and like other stuff. Although I will say when I was like reviewing Bleach, I was like, okay, yeah, this is pretty good. And then that bit in the video where I edited those two fight scenes side <laughs> by side and they are beat for beat the same. I was like, I can't believe how well this works. Like yeah. down to the choreography of which hand he grabs the sword with. <laughs> it's like, wow, yeah. that's beautiful. And the thing is like, I mentioned that on Twitter well before the video came out and like three people were like, oh God, I remember exactly what you're talking about just from the description of, yeah, they had this really good moment. And then like 20 episodes later, they just, they repeated the exact moment and it made it worse. And they were like, I remember that. So, you know, the, uh, this like odd love hate relationship with Bleach is, um, is one of those, um, common fan experiences, I think, where yeah. it's like everyone who's, you know, there are people who are just huge fans of Bleach. They like the, how, the way it actually worked. And you know what? That's fair. Like Bleach kind of turned into a series of essentially boss rushes every season. <laughs> the first season's Monster of the Week. And then after that, it's like, you must defeat my 37 lieutenants before you can face me, the big boss, with a backstory that's actually interesting that you won't learn for 55 episodes. And it's like, yeah. okay, cool, whatever. And you know, if you're into that, you're into that. This show is perfect for you. It's nothing but that after like episode 25. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it wasn't for me. So I was just kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. Um, uh on the subject of uh, me sassing the process of you making this video, um, <laughs> I remember that when you were working on the thumbnail for it, which usually, you know, when you make oh, a trope talk God. video, it's, you know, the, the standard background, like, silhouette of red and then, like, one character on each side. Yep. Red, you were telling me, like, I, I don't know who to put in this video thumbnail because it's just like a bunch of anime characters and i said well yeah i read the trope is super powered evil sides so what'd you expect <laughs> no like i knew that it's just here, here's the actual thing that was causing me grief because making this video was already like plumbing the tar pits of cringe that lurk at the bottom of my brain at all times because you know i I, I'm of the opinion that cringe is the worst sensation to ever feel. And I think that, you know, the more you own the things you love, the less you feel bad about it. But it is a little bit embarrassing for me to go back to basically my first hyperfixation, which was Inuyasha. Because, like, I, I hadn't watched anime before. I started watching it and I was like, all right, it's kind of good. And then I just burned through the whole thing. And it was the only thing I could think about for, like, six months. And that's not a good feeling or a good look. It's like, no, listen, I get it. I also don't want me to be doing what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and that's not a good feeling. So when I was making this video, I was like, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be analytical. And I'm going to discuss this show in fair terms. And the minute I started reviewing the footage, the, the dopamine rush hit me. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's happening. So, yeah, that was bad. Um, but anyway. Uh, we did eventually get Spider-Man on there. We did get Spider-Man on there. But the thing is, like, when I was trying to make the thumbnail, I needed to find a clean image of... And on the thumbnail, I ended up using Inuyasha and Black-Suited Spider-Man. Black-Suited Spider-Man was the compromise because otherwise it was going to be two anime characters and I wasn't willing to go there. R right. So I, I needed to find a clean image. And I was like, maybe I'll look up some wallpaper. Don't look up anime wallpapers about a show that you're trying to feel cool about liking. <laughs> it's just... It's not good. It's just all fan art. It's just... Uh, it was rough. I, uh... I pried myself loose and I put the video up to schedule it. And then I like cleansed myself by watching shows that I wasn't into when I was 14. <laughs>
So and I, I just I, I'm going to wrap this up real quick. I just wanted to make clear that just because I am kind of embarrassed about how obsessed I got with a thing 10 years ago does not mean that you should ever feel embarrassed about the things you are passionate about. Like, I, I think that it's very important to to love things unconditionally, not unconditionally, but like unironically, you know, I, yeah. I think that yeah, the, the irony word. poisoning of fandom is just it, it's a bad scene, you know, like you, you got to admit that liking something that much kind of means that. It, it takes up a lot of clearance in your brain, and that's not a bad thing. And the only reason I'm kind of embarrassed about it is I remember that I couldn't talk about anything else for six months, and I remember essentially being trapped inside my own brain, being like, man, I sure wish I could talk about anything else to these people who don't care about this show. It's, a, it's my own superpowered evil side, as it were. <laughs> Except the only superpower is how hard I can cringe into a ball when I remember <laughs> it. So yeah, I had a good time. It was fun. Watch those shows. They're, they're not as good as create a black hole at will. All she has to do is think about Inuyasha. Ah! <laughs> Someone's like, hey, remember that time where you talked about this so consistently every day that one of the people you walked home from school with coined that stretch of blocks as the Inuyasha belt and you realized maybe you had a problem? <laughs> I remember that every time oh, I close my no. eyes. <laughs> yeah, good times. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so we had fun videos this past week. So uh, next week, we've got a very spoopy episode, which we'll talk about uh, on the next episode of the podcast. But stay tuned because the Q&A is coming up next. And now for the part of the very spooky episode where we ask you guys some questions pulled from our Ask OS Pod channel on Discord. If you've got a question for the podcast, head over to the Discord link in the show notes to drop a question and hopefully it'll be answered in a future episode of the podcast. Um, our first question today comes from one of our lovely, lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, keep our lights on, keep my salary paid, go hop over to Patreon, <laughs> consider becoming a member. We all appreciate it a lot. Um, and you might have a one chance. One of the patron tiers <laughs> is just the Indigo Fund. Yes. Uh, <laughs> please pay for Indigo's uh, editing and podcast producing services uh, is one of the tiers. I, I don't think it actually is. I would be very surprised no. if it was. But in my heart, it is uh, when you guys join. That is what I imagine you are all paying for. <laughs> um, this question comes from Kodinga. For both, what form is the apocalypse most likely going to take? Zombies, war, etc.? And how are you preparing for it? Oh, no. Now, this is a very important question, because in the context of, like, Halloween spoopiness, we are more likely to lean towards a supernatural answer, such as zombies, vampires, or what sounds scarier but is actually worse, zombie vampires who stumble into the light and die. <laughs> um, so in the context of this being a Halloween episode, I think that it would be most apt if, like, the sun turned blood red, like, you know, Mayan, Aztec, like, creation myth style, and just, like, the sun just quits, like, nope, I'm done, going <laughs> home, you guys suck, I'm out of here. I feel like that would be, like, aesthetically the best way to go. I do think that the sun going dark is a very, very aesthetic apocalypse. Um, I, I think that the fact that the question asked, what's the most likely way to go, <laughs> is... Um, I just, I'm trying to figure out a way to answer this that isn't a huge downer, but it's about the apocalypse. So, I, okay, you know what? If it's, if it's a downer, it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> I think that probability-wise, um, since the invention of the nuclear bomb, the war apocalypse has become the most likely outcome. Uh, just because 
Now the power to actually render the planet uninhabitable by humans just exists. And um, if you read any literature from the era, uh, you know, there will come soft rains, stuff like that. Uh, you can tell that this was messing people up at the time. Just that, that awareness of how the world had changed was just creeping people out. That said, more unlikely, but potentially more fun apocalypse uh, possibilities. Uh, I like the, um, the wandering planet slash wandering black hole possibility, uh, mm. where That's basically cool. uh, there's just, space has a lot of stuff in it. You know, it's pretty far apart, but most of it's moving extremely quickly. There's, um, there's these things called wandering planets that are just like planet-sized chunks of rock that have escaped the orbit of whatever sun formed them and are just hurtling through space at terrifying speeds. And, uh, you know, they, who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen. <laughs> um, it's, uh, there, there is categories of apocalypses where, like, you wouldn't even know they'd happened because they would just be too, too fast. Um, and I think the wandering planet slash wandering black hole thing is, uh, is pretty high in that category. Like, it would just be like one minute you're there, and then the next minute it's just boop, space, yeah. dust, etc. I think there's another, there's like, um, there's some theories about how the universe is expanding that includes the possibility that if a true vacuum were ever created, it would like expand at light speed and just consume the entire universe in it, like a cavitation bubble, which is in the, another category of like, we wouldn't even know it happened. The universe would just stop existing. Um, mm, yeah. I guess that, I mean, like, that... if it, I'm imagining like if Lovecraft was to write a story about that, it would be <laughs> like a true vacuum at the speed of light that somehow is a fish. <laughs> yeah, a fish or a black person, you never know. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, those are like the, those are the quick and clean apocalypses. I think that, um, the more dramatic apocalypses are the ones that, like, leave a planet afterwards. It's just, like, can it be, can we get back to the point where we can kind of have a society and a civilization, or is it just, like, a slow slide into non-existence? Um, yeah, it's like... On, on a scale of, like, The Last of Us, Now Sega in the Valley of the Wind, or just, like, nothing. Like, what what scale are we working with here, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, Now Sega is a very interesting post-apocalypse because, like, it is kind of unclear if the world can heal and regrow or if they're just stuck like this. Uh, I mean, it by the end of the movie, it's not unclear. But at the beginning of the movie, it's like, okay, we've got... We've got a small population of people. They're living in this tiny little valley. They are mostly safe from the encroaching giant nightmare mushroom forest. Uh, but, you know, not like that safe. People do still, like, get the, the spores and die. And they have to, like, torch their fields sometimes. And meanwhile, in other parts of the world, people are waging this eternal war. Because the world has been torn apart by war. Some people are still fighting it. And I just think it's kind of interesting that, essentially, there's this ideological conflict between Naushka, who believes that the world is healing itself and that they can just, you know, if they don't make it worse, the world will heal itself and it'll be good. And the people who think that the war is the most important thing, uh, mm -hmm. which it objectively isn't because obviously, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, that's, yeah. it's kind of the point. It's essentially, does the planet matter or does the war we wage on the planet matter? And yeah. fundamentally when the war is over and you're just left with the planet, you're going to wish you prioritized the planet more. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, moral of the story: uh, Go watch the go watch the Ghibli movie. Yeah, yeah. I also think that the vampire apocalypse is probably the most stylish apocalypse oh, yeah. available. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Highly like, recommend that version. Oh, Castlevania. You know, kind of doing that. In, yeah, yeah. I was gonna yeah. say they're kind of doing that in Castlevania, Which where it's like. I, I need to finish watching season two of Castlevania. God. I got like three episodes in, and then everything else happens, and I never picked it back up. But Ugh. like, it's. 
Oh, okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make this Castlevania train, but it's good. It's a good ass show. It is, yeah. But yeah, like I feel like in terms of like apocalypse, like sexiness levels, the vampire apocalypse <laughs> is pretty <laughs> high up there. Most other now, apocalypse. We need to figure out: does this apocalypse fuck? <laughs> the answer um, is always yes. I do yes. also think. I think that in terms of like the modern social const- uh, context and environment, I think that like an eldritch Lovecraftian apocalypse would be the most interesting from a social perspective because you know that like if scientists were like in recent news something has been blotting out the stars in the beginning in the Pegasus Nebula we can't tell if it's getting bigger or getting closer but it's definitely doing one or both of those things we have no idea when it will arrive or what it is but as it blots out more stars we begin to make out the outline of this strange creature you just know the first 50 tweets about it would be ugh 2020 strikes again (laughs) and then everything after that would be like you know, someone makes like a cute anime girl version of whatever the, the oh, sun no. eater is. And <laughs> and then people start being like, well, I mean, does this mean I can stop wearing my mask in Target? It's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Come on, man. One apocalypse at a time. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Yeah. Let's hit the next question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Wild ride. After the uplifting topic of apocalypses, we've got more spooky content coming for you. This is from... No, spooky. It is... Never mind, sorry. Sorry, sorry, never mind. I, I tried to jump in, but it didn't make sense. Come on, man. Oh, rip blue. Up next, we've got a question from Worm on the Web. For both, to celebrate the spooky season, thoughts on horror? Any horror book or movie recommendations? Ooh. Well, my thoughts on horror up until recently were, ew, why would I purposely make myself feel bad? And then uh, 2020 happened, and I was like... Well, at least I know this one's not real. <laughs> so, but yeah, to answer your question, I've actually been, uh, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, I've been beginning to go through just the classic horror movies that I've just kind of avoided because I didn't want to feel scared about stuff. Uh, so I recently watched The Thing, the, uh, the 1982 version, yes. and it's super good. Oh. Like, I mean, it's a little silly in places, but it's mostly really good. Um, and the practical effects hold up mostly well. Uh, I mean, sometimes you're like, okay, that was a real person, and now he's like a a rubber simulacrum, but otherwise it's fine. Uh, Yeah, it's real spooky. And the other thing I want to watch is is Alien, and then Aliens, and then nothing else. Yes. (laughs) Please. No, I've heard excellent things about Alien and Aliens, and then terrible things about everyone after that. Um, But here's actually what I do recommend uh, in terms of movies I have seen before this. Uh... I recommend doing a back-to-back double feature of Terminators 1 and 2 because it is such whiplash. Like, here's the thing. I came into watching Terminator in, like, you know, 2016. Everything had already been spoiled. So I already knew, oh, yeah, Arnold Nader, he becomes a good guy and all that jazz. So I wasn't prepared for Terminator being a full-on horror movie because <laughs> it it really is. It's, like, it's super scary. It's the classic unstoppable monster that just chases you down and... You, you can't really stop it. You can only slow it down. And, and it's really spooky. And then you immediately go to Terminator 2, which is an action movie. And I just think it's it's a really good, like, juxtaposition because in the first movie, it's like, oh, no, we've got this, like, helpless every woman. She's like a waitress. She gets pulled into this horror scenario she's not prepared for. It's a monster from the future. And then the next one, it's like, Sarah Connor's done being helpless. And this time she's been hitting the gym. So <laughs> highly recommend. It's the It's the perfect, like whiplash um so yeah that's my suggestion 
I feel like a lot of horror I, movies will do that with their sequel where they'll start very solidly in the horror genre and then the second movie in whatever franchise or if it's just a sequel will kind of veer more into action. Uh, to a lesser extent, Tremors did that. They're uh, like their fifth <laughs> movie at this point are solidly into action. But the first movie is technically horror, even if it's about sandworms and Kevin Bacon. But <laughs> it's an interesting kind of like sandworms jump. Sandworms and Kevin Bacon. <laughs> what more could you ask yeah. for? In, in the video game space, there's a similar thing that happened with Dead Space, where yeah. the first one is, like, super scary, and by the third one, you have, like, a machine gun and a jetpack, and you're just, like, mowing through <laughs> zombies, like, okay, or uh, aliens, like, okay, this is no longer, I mean, I never played the Dead Space games, I don't like horror, I don't like being scared, I'm I'm red, like, circa three years ago, Yeah. Um, so I really cannot contribute to this question in any oh. meaningful way. Um, I remember red one time in high school, we watched, um, we watched Cabin in the Woods, which was yeah. hilarious. It um, was, yeah. That, that was a fun time. I think I'd appreciate it more now because at the time I was like, I think I was taking it a little too much at face value because, um, you know, it was a send up of the horror genre, which at that point I had never engaged with. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, no, why did they kill that guy? <laughs> Not the jock character played by Chris Hemsworth. I liked him on principle. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not the guy who's literally just shaggy from Scooby Doo, but explicitly a stoner. <laughs> so I mean, there's a yeah, that was fun. not super okay, horrifying my movie. My, my horror movie suggestion is the live action Scooby-Doo. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yes. Dude, uh, I rewatched those like semi-recently. I won't say they're good because they're not. But they're fun. They're fun. They're they fun. are. They're they fun are. And I really respect how the aim, the explicit aim of the first one. Was it the first one? Which one had Scrappy? That was the first um, one. Yeah. I think it was the first one. Monster yeah, Island or The explicit something. aim of that was to ruin... Yeah, it was to ruin Scrappy's characters so much that they couldn't use him because the creator of the movie hated Scrappy Doo. I think uh, it was wasn't it James Gunn? James Gunn was too? one of the James writers. Gunn. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah. I he his like, like was he a producer? I on think that his one? like finest. He might have been. Um, but I think he's mentioned that his favorite uh, just professional achievement was utterly ruining the character of Scrappy Doo in the most targeted character assassination ever written. And it works. It uh, works. Okay. Um, it was not directed by James Gunn, uh, screenplay and story, however. Yeah, he was, he was like the, one of the head yeah. writers on directed it. Directed by Raja Gosnelli. Wow. Or Gosnell. Yeah. It's just yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. It's not good either. Like the CGI is terrible. The acting is hokey. I mean, Shaggy's really good, but Shaggy's actor is just really good. So. Well, Buffy that was only 1% of his power. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It had Buffy in it. It had Buffy okay, in I it. I feel it did, and I feel bad because Sarah Michelle Gellar is, like, a good actress, but I feel like at this point she's just been typecast as, like, ass-kicking femme women, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, there are worse things to be typecast as. It's just, like, they wrote just... Oh, God, I always mix up the, the girls in the Scooby gang. Daphne? Daphne. Daphne, right? Yeah. Daphne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just, like, Daphne's just, like, red-headed Buffy, and it's fine... It's fine. It's just kind of like, all right, whatever. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Shaggy's the in that too, because Freddie Prince Jr. was in it. He was Fred. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was? Huh. Pretty sure. Hmm. All of those actors deserve an Oscar for the scene where they like go into each other's like <laughs> brains and like like character swap. So yep. they're all playing each other. That is the best acting in the entire movie. Honestly, okay, that trope is always such a treat for the actors, but sometimes they don't like do it to its full effect. I, I've seen 
like whenever they do it in a cartoon and they just like swap the voice actors so it's like oh this character's voice is coming out of this other character's face now it's like that's the most boring way you could have done that let yeah. the voice actor act like the other character for a change that would be yep. way more fun well the yep. counterpoint um, to that is that an amazing example where the whole movie was based around that was the recent jumanji movie they basically the premise oh, yeah. is that they all have that's swapped right. into these like wrong character bodies but it you know you get like J- uh jack black playing a teenage girl and like the rock pretending to be this like really wimpy dweeby kid like and they all are so great with how they use their different physicalities to show that their characters change yep. they're not just saying lines that sound off they're acting differently yeah that was a movie that i was Actually, surprised and delighted oh. at how good it was <laughs> Jumanji was way better than it had any right to be. Okay, but I wanted to mention that Jumanji 2 took that trope and cranked it up to 11. Because in that movie, they're they're sometimes body swapping in the actual scenes. Like, uh, Kevin Hart gets to, or a lot of people get to pretend to be Kevin Hart. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A few people get to pretend to be Danny DeVito. It's great. Uh, But yeah, so, so yeah, I love that trope. I will say the one thing where those movies disappointed me is the part where somebody on the writing crew was like, Listen, we all know that Daphne and Velma is the real sizzling romance in this story. <laughs> and then someone higher up the chain was like, "We can't make it canon, damn it. We got to we got to just make it incredibly obvious but subtle." <laughs> so it's just it's yeah. it's so uh, like seriously, if you if you if you don't, if you oh, don't think yeah. I'm telling the truth, rewatch those movies and just fucking pay attention. I swear to god, <laughs> it's on purpose. There's a bit where like they, they give Velma the most yeah, Velma, they give Velma the most like inoffensive boyfriend like love interest in the mm-hmm. second yeah. It's the second movie. It's the second one. Um, yeah. And like Daphne's giving her like the girl talk about like, you're just, you know, you're just running from what really scares you. And then it's like they are nose to nose on all fours on the floor. And then she just says intimacy with another person. And I was like, how the fuck can anyone interpret this any other way? It's like, oh, yes, we're talking about my boyfriend still, right? Oh, sure. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I think you would be amazed what can what can get in front of a studio desk and not get recognized. My God, I guess the consensus answer to this question is the OSP crew thinks you should watch the Scooby Doo live action movies uh, this Halloween. Oh, absolutely, or absolutely. the thing. I guess yeah, no, that's the answer. That's the answer. That's the answer. Scooby Doo and classic Scooby- horror. Watch the Scooby Doo. Yeah. yeah, Scooby Doo right. and Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so another question we have uh, in the spooky theme we're going for, uh, jumping away from Scooby-Doo for a minute, Pretty Good Automatic Ghost asks, are either of you wearing costumes for Halloween? And If so, what are they? Mm. I mean, I would, but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I... Usually Cyan and I coordinate on a costume, but I don't think we have any plans for that this year. I've had a really Usually solid. Usually would have figured it out by now. <laughs> yeah, I've had a really solid mask of the Red Death costume. I kind of go back to because uh, I, I made a really good mask for it. And I just have a red cape because, of course, I do. Uh, so I mean, I might I don't know flap that on for for some really cozy, like on couch movie watching. But otherwise, it's just like I can't really bring myself to dress up if I've got nowhere to go. You know. Yeah, actually, for me, that's not true. Because Indigo is running oh, right. a one-shot for our D&D group on oh, Friday, yeah. where we are playing as the other people in the group. So it's exactly the fucking Scooby-Doo trope yes! <laughs> We brought it so, back! Sian and I are dressing up as, as some of our, our other friends in the group. Um, so, uh, yeah, actually, so basically that's my Halloween costume, is so I'm going to be dressed as one of my friends for Halloween. With that, the, the character that I, the DM, uh, am playing is... Blue, so I'll be dressed as blue for Halloween this year. Maybe I'll post a tweet uh, with a picture of it, but I basically just got a blue Henley <laughs> and copies of Philosophical Fridays, and 
Other than that, I'm going to say ah. that we look the same. <laughs> Beautiful. There, there was one year where one of the greens came dressed, not as me, as the character Blue for Halloween, and it very much threw me off. <laughs> it involved a printout of the chibi face, right? Yeah. It did, which yeah. is what really got me. You made a mask. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. oh, that looks really weird on a human <laughs> body. Yeah. yeah. It's fine on a black and white line art character model, but, oh, oh, no, that's weird in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Look on my works, ye mighty. <laughs> All right. Your real Ozymandias moment. Uh, let's see here. We've got from <laughs> underscore Finch. Since we're in the season of spooks, if you guys could choose to be any monster or cryptid, what would you be? Werewolf. <laughs> yep. Um, Sorry, was I supposed to think that through? It's werewolf. No, I, for me, the instant jump that my mind made was uh, Link from Breath of the Wild, because as established <laughs> by previous streams, Link is a cryptid. <laughs> I, all right. <laughs> sure. It's just, it was the, the first association that my brain made. Um, if oh. I'm no, real answer. Um, <laughs> let's see. I think that uh, being a vampire would be cool because I like... The idea of not like being immortal, but like being 500 years oldable and like being able to like have bopped around through a bunch of different historical events and just like have a bunch of like cool books that I got, you know, from over centuries and centuries. Uh, there's, um, you know, a trope of like this, this, this vampire guy has these books and someone's like, oh, like who's Will? It's like, oh yeah, no, those are just some of Will's plays. He gave me some first editions and it's like, ah, uh, fun little Shakespeare yeah. insert. So like, I think the idea of like, being spooky and living for like 500 years would be would be a fun cryptid thing to do. Except all the rules of vampirism basically mean that you can't live in Italy. No crosses, no garlic. Yeah, no, no mirrors. Yeah, no, you're, I, uh, yeah, no, you're I stuck. No, no Italy for vampires. Book it to Iceland. Not to uh, loop this back to Twilight, but um, yes. I am of the opinion that in almost all urban fantasy, just in terms of like weaknesses and abilities, usually vampires just kind of have it worse than werewolves because frankly speaking, it's like, okay, if you're a werewolf, you're a living being and you can look like a person most of the time. It's just sometimes you turn into a big, amazing dog. How cool is that? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, some, and then, you know, with vampires, it's like, okay, yeah, you, you, got, you got the living forever thing. You got all that cool stuff traveling the world, but depending on the version, it's like, well, you can't go outside half the time and uh well you've got all these complex allergies and maybe you can't be killed permanently but you can be inconvenienced for several centuries and like <laughs> you know people are always trying to murder you and on some level you are like dead and like cold and stuff and that's not not fun so when i was watching the twilight movies i uh came to the conclusion that stephanie meyer realized that oops i accidentally made my my vampires too unappealing <laughs> So I've got to make the werewolves worse because here's the thing. Like, obviously, Twilight vampires already have almost none of the classic vampire weaknesses. Like, oh, they, sunlight doesn't hurt them. It just makes them sparkly. And, oh, they, they can eat, I guess, but or, or maybe they, they can't, but wh whatever. You think I know fucking Twilight vampire lore? <laughs> All I know is what the people on Twitter explained to me about it when I was complaining about how it didn't make any sense. Uh, but then it's like, they were like, okay, okay, we've got a love triangle, but it's not actually a love triangle. It's a foregone conclusion. The girl is going to go for the vampire, not the werewolf. So in order to convince the audience, <laughs> I'm going to make werewolves as bad as I can. So first it was like, oh, well, werewolves only gain the ability to transform if, if vampires are around. And it's like, why? 
how? What the fuck? <laughs> and also, it contradicts its own lore in a later movie, but that's fine. Uh, so that already severely nerfs werewolves, because it just makes you a normal person until a vampire moves next door and suddenly you're turning into a dogman. But then it was also like, oh yeah, and, and werewolves, they, um, they're like predisposed for domestic abuse. <laughs> I bet you really don't want her to end up with Jacob now, do you? And it's like, I don't, but that's not because of the character's inherent worth. It's because you're making him the, the worst person ever. Anyway, so yeah, I think that in the, um, in the choice between vampire and werewolf, I, I'll go werewolf every time because, you know, you're still a living human being who turns into an awesome big dog person. And also you're not like an undead monstrous creature of the night cursed with an eternal thirst for blood and stuff like that. Uh, but I do think it's really funny when urban fantasy writers try desperately to make it seem like a more balanced choice or to skew it the other way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. guys, come on. Now I'm just thinking of Castlevania again. One, that yes. Alucard has the coolest coat, but also, yeah, two, the episode in the second season where the Vampire Council is debating what counts as running water yes! and whether they can cross <laughs> it. That, that was okay. one of my favorite That looks scenes. like a shit post. Yeah. It looks like one of those, like, incorrect quotes blogs, but no, that's oh, canon God. dialogue performed I, by actors. What I love about the Castlevania show is that they lean into the nonsense of it, mm-hmm. where yeah. it's just, like, an entire episode of, of Sypha, Trevor, and Alucard stuck in a library just, like, being mad at each other for being dumb and, like... Like, the Vampire Council being, like, far too much of a disaster to function, not even <laughs> understanding their own lore. It's so good, and you should watch Castlevania in addition to Scooby-Doo. Those are our two OSP <laughs> seasonal recommendations. It's the magical door of death, Belmont. Shut up. <laughs> so good. So good. Oh, Trevor Belmont is just everyone's, like, first D&D character. You know, they're hot, dumb, and dexterous, and I, I love it. Yeah. I love him for it. <laughs> I mean, everyone in that party feels like a D&D character. Oh, yeah. Trevor is somebody's... Trevor is the guy who was like, I'm not going to get invested in the game. It's, this is my fighter. He's got um, a whip, and he's drunk and uninterested in the plot, so I don't need to pay attention. And then Alucard is the guy who's like, this is my backstory. And they're like, that's a novel. He's like, no, it's my backstory. <laughs> I got it bound, so it wasn't loose leaf, but that's all. And then Sypha's like, Sypha's the only one who's actually playing it like it's a game. <laughs> She's like, yeah. with all my spell slots allocated, this is going to be great. And they're like, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> Like, all right, I'm going to hit it. I am also going to hit it. And then she's like, all right, I'm going to cast Ice Pillar, and then I'm going to use Fireball, and then I'm going to use another Fireball. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How many sorcerer (laughs) points are you burning here? (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah, no. Well, one last question before we wrap up. I mean, really, what is Castlevania except... Sorry, uh, can I... Yeah, just, just like... Really, what is Castlevania except for the D&D game that the Scooby gang is playing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, it's amazing. Amazing. Anyway. Yeah, so we'll get to one last question here before we wrap up and let you guys get back to your preparations for the spookiest week of the year. This comes from uh, Trebs on Discord. What's the best way to create or start an urban legend or cryptic like Mothman in the modern era? I want to spook my neighbors. Hmm. (laughs) Let's see, spook your neighbors or spook the entire internet? Because, like, starting an urban legend is, like, more a matter of creating a story that'll propagate out through eternity rather than yeah, just, Yeah, like, you know. localizing it's gonna be the hard part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, creepy, like, night vision trail camera pics are always a good way to start. That's true. Um, Get yourself a Photoshop yep. uh, free trial, start just throwing some filters on everything, play around in Lightroom a little bit. <laughs> yep. Oh, you gotta put the Alamy watermark on it so it looks like it's real. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's five D chess. Start training the the local raccoons to just like scratch at their back door every night. <laughs> <laughs> like leave hamburgers out for them so they get used to it. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, let's um, see. Hmm. Yeah, I think blurry photoshops. Uh, hmm. Let's see. I, the thing is, I don't really deal with like the cryptid hunter side of the internet, so yeah, I, I don't know. This is really a two-part question, which is one, what is a kind of cryptid that you could create for your own neighborhood? And then two, how do you convince everyone else that it's real? We've kind of answered the second part, kind of, but like... Photoshop. What's a good, like, local cryptid that, well, like, wouldn't take... be too spooky to be, like, national levels of, like, oh, you gotta keep on lookout for this, but, like, it's, like, the neighborhood monster like mm. what's what's that balance of like uh you know he'll he'll go through your trash and unsort your recycling so the people will will leave it because because it's it's not right and then you have to go and do it again for the next week or like you know like plagues of egypt gonna gonna burn down your whole house kind of level of cryptid this might be the time to take advantage of the fact that a lot of people are stuck at home for the first time in a very long mm. time and more importantly a lot of older siblings and things that maybe younger neighbors <laughs> don't know are returning from school or from work to live at home for a while, but not really leaving their house. Oh. I've been doing this recently. I haven't been spooking my neighbors with it, but I, all, all of my neighbors are younger than me. They're fam young families. And then I, I moved out to go to school when they all moved in and we I've never interacted with 90% of them. Very rarely they'll like catch me taking out the trash in sweatpants or a hoodie or something. Play with that, you know, start, get your younger siblings to start rumors of your uh, long-lost older sibling that still haunts the grounds of your current home. Uh, always go outside dressed all in, like, grays, put on some, like, <laughs> ghostly makeup. But just do the normal activities that you normally would be doing. Like, take out the trash, you know, break some leaves. Oh my just God. kind of lurk on street corners. <laughs> just make yourself the I, uh, neighborhood cryptid. It's when a you ghost mentioned that just like, does normal ass stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's normal for ghosts. They they do what they did in life. I will say when you said like people are stuck at home, I thought you were going to suggest like so go full yellow wallpaper on them. Just like really start playing with their sanity. <laughs> I like yours better. It's more wholesome. <laughs> just convince them you're a ghost. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, people don't it's a good way to interact with your neighbors from a distance because they will presumably uh, be avoiding you <laughs> if you do this. Yeah. <laughs> And that way you get to keep your privacy. Mm -hmm. It's the ghost of the asshole who doesn't wear the mask. <laughs> the scariest thing of all. Yeah. Yes. Well, that is... Well, I think we've had a sufficiently spooky episode. Yeah. <laughs> the scariest uh, thing this episode is that we're just coming up on time, which means we need to wrap oh. it up. Ah. Death comes for us all, and also for the end of this episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. So, um... Uh, with that, uh, thank you all so much for, for tuning into our little episode here. Um, like we said at the top of the show, uh, next week, nope, next episode, <laughs> two we weeks, uh, we have uh, Tim from Hello Future Me who will be joining us. And we are very excited for that. In the meantime, go check out his channel. Go stay tuned for Red's uh, Halloween uh, special video, mm. um, which should be super, super fun. Hopefully. And uh, yeah, we will see you all next time on the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Until then, I've been Red. I've been Blue. And this has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thank you for listening in to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. If you like the show, please rate us five stars and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll be back with a very special guest on November 11th and every other Wednesday after that. If you have a question for the show, hop over to the Ask OS Pod channel on Discord 
And if you'd like to support the show, consider joining the Overly Sarcastic Productions Patreon. Links to Discord, Patreon, and YouTube can all be found in the show notes below. And I hope to catch you all in the next episode.